0: Greetings, uh, church and friends of the church. Uh, This is the next episode uh, in this series of reflections about how we can more deeply understand ourselves and each other and how we can be reshaped as we are on this journey through uh, this wilderness place and season, um, where we are not in a place that was our normal and we're not in a new normal, but we're in the in-between, and we're not Monopolized, then, by going through the motions that are habitual and normative, but can have an open mind and an imagination for how life could be better and different. In this series, we've reflected on the posture that we take in order to grow in the wilderness, assumptions we make, um, natural tendencies and temptations that have evolved within every human being physically, physiologically, Um, The need for a spirituality that counteracts these physical forces. And we've started to consider the different isms that plague us. These cultural forces um, that are birthed out from our physical and natural tendencies to to self-focus, to fight, um, to flee, to assume the negative about others, and to tribalize. So, in this episode, we're going to reflect on the dangers of exceptionalism, which can take root among the antagonism, the dogmatism, the cultism, and the politicism that we've considered in previous episodes. So, um, you might wonder, what is unhealthy or destructive about thinking that we are exceptional? Isn't that just a sign of good or healthy self-esteem? Well, That depends on how we are defining this word exceptional. If we are associating the word exceptional with uh, functionality or performance, then to be exceptional is probably more synonymous with excellence, or the functioning or the performing um, up to the fullness of one's potential. If um, in doing her homework or uh, another assignment or project, one of our girls functions to the fullness of her potential in the application of her knowledge and her skills, we we might say that is an exceptional effort. If on Sunday, uh, in game one of the new season, Carson Wentz throws off the scramble, hits Zach Ertz in stride 20 yards down the field, we might label that as exceptional, as whence functions and performs to the fullness of his potential. And then, of course, turn around and boo on the very next play when he misses. But this isn't really what the word exceptional means at its roots. We use it this way to celebrate a particular effort that functionality or performance to the fullness of potential But the word exceptional is really in its core about status, value, worth. An exception is a person or thing that's excluded from a generality or does not follow a rule. Therefore, when a person or a group of people are said to be exceptional, that means that they're categorically inherently different in status and value, regardless of functionality and performance. A people said to be exceptional are thought to be simply different or superior in status or value, and those general statements and the norms and the rules that apply to everyone else do not apply to them. Exceptionalism is the belief that an individual, a class, a race, a political party, a nation, a religion, an institution, a species, is exceptional, categorically different and superior in status and value, regardless of functionality or performance. Exceptionalism thrives where fear uh, of self-preservation or fear of another, whether it be a naturally occurring fear or a fear that's intentionally stoked by dogmatism, cultism, or politicism, Triggers The fear triggers our fight response, our negativity, our tribalism. It tempts us to self-elevate, to seek power over and against others, to create a God narrative that condones our self-focus and self-serving and shapes a view of others that is antagonistic. If we think we are superior, then our antagonism toward those who are other or, or otherwise defined by us as less than seems justifiable. If we think we are superior, then the rules and the norms that apply to others in order to keep them in their place of inferiority don't apply to us, because the rules and norms for us are the rules and norms that keep us in that place of superiority. And if we think we're superior, then the harm and violence that we inflict on others to keep them in their place seems natural and justified. Exceptionalism, it seems, can exist within every layer of the human experience. And if we're honest and humble in our reflection and in our self-reflection, we can see where and how dogmatism, cultism, politicism have nurtured the emergence of this flavor of antagonism. On the largest of scales, um, there's human exceptionalism. I would argue and understand among the majority of humanity, we think that we're superior to the other species of life within the created order. We live as if the rules that apply to other species and other life doesn't apply to, don't apply to us, and we live as if all other species and life on this planet exist for the sole purpose of serving our needs and desires as the superior, those on the top of the pyramid. We pillage and plunder the Earth's resources faster than they can renew themselves for the sake of our consumption and our recreation. Some hunt for food, um, but so many others just trophy hunt for sport. We destroy habitats for the sake of progress and we litter our world with our waste, both of which have led to the displacement and extinction of whole species. We expedite climate change that threatens the well-being of all creation. These are different roles than we expect all other species to live by. Uh, this may seem ridiculous, but imagine if we lived as inferior to the squirrels, and they had their ability to impose their will upon us all. Imagine if the elephants hunted us for sport, to steal our teeth, Imagine if the apes had the ability to force us from our homes and take our bricks and timbers to build their own habitats. Imagine if the fish were able to deposit billions of plastic items in our homes every year. Imagine if the polar bears were able to radically change the climate in the opposite direction and usher in a new ice age. In any of these uh, ridiculous scenarios, uh, we imagine humanity losing our minds Uh, Because deep within us, we have this sense that we are exceptional and that any of these scenarios would be a drastic violation of the natural order in which we are superior. Within humanity uh, are various layers of exceptionalism. There's racial exceptionalism. For thousands of years, white people have thought themselves to be superior and have believed that the rules for others don't apply to them. Because of this, we know that Colonialism expanded out from white nations around the globe. The slave trade was operated. Indigenous persons were displaced and massacred so that white nations could settle and monopolize natural resources. We can't deny that this is part of our history as a nation, nor that a culture of white superiority is still a part of our story today. White people still play by different roles than people of color, and and white nationalist terrorism is by far the leading cause of terrorism-related fatalities in our nation, by far. Uh, More on that in a later reflection on racism. There's religious exceptionalism in our history and still in our world today, which has fueled the splintering of all major religions into factions throughout the ages, none more so than Christianity, with our 45,000-plus flavors of Christianity. Religious exceptionalism fueled the Crusades of the Middle Ages, and it, it's, it's uh, contributed to so many other episodes of violence, um, the murder of Reformation leaders, the Salem witch trials, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, countless wars in the M- Middle East. Um, too many religious sects have felt as though the Golden Rule did not apply to them, even though expressly mandated by the founders of all the world religions. Many nations have instituted a legalized religious exceptionalism by mandating a national religion. Others, like ours in the U.S., have a legal separation of church and state, this ideological claim to divorce politics from religion, but... Air conditioner. But still operates with a de facto religious exceptionalism because we know that these forces of dogmatism cultism politicism are increasingly intertwining a particular stream of christianity with the american political system and we know that the this nation was founded as a christian nation false narrative continues as strongly as ever because of this de facto religious exceptionalism that we have in the us we we see laws and policies and norms that treat Christian citizens and, Im- and immigrants differently and better than non-Christian citizens and immigrants. We th- in, in a kind of a silly mundane example, we too easily think that there is a war on Christmas and that saying happy holidays is no less than an assault on our Christian superiority. There is national exceptionalism. In our history and in our world, the stories of the scriptures and the history books about the Egyptian, Babylonian, Assyrian, Roman empires are stories of exceptionalism. There were rules for keeping the inferiors inferior and another set of rules for keeping the superiors superior. In modern history, with honesty and humility, we must admit that American exceptionalism has been most prominent and exercised. We've had this city-on-a-hill understanding of ourselves as a nation, that we are not only more wealthy and powerful, but that we are also morally superior, that we think that we're the standard, we think that we make the rules, and that everyone else ought to be like us. Pew Research conducted a a poll among 17 other nations um, in the last decade, which found that the world... The world's biggest complaint about the United States is that we often act too unilaterally without concern for the interest of other peoples and nations. James Baldwin once uh, critiqued American exceptionalism saying, it protects our moral high-mindedness at the terrible expense of weakening our grasp of reality. We continue to insist that we're the best, we're the city on the hill, we think we don't have anything to learn from other nations or any, other, any reason to let their people come in. Um, for we assume that they and their ways must be inferior. Um, but, but we fail to grasp the reality that our foreign interventions sometimes create more chaos than peace. That although our healthcare technology is TOPS, We spend far more out of pocket on healthcare than any other country in the world. Um, The ratings of our overall healthcare system are somewhere in the middle of the pack. We have higher morbidity and suicide rates. And although stock market numbers and total wealth in America are high, so is our world-leading income inequality, and our quality of life is ranked 15th this year in the world, just below Slovenia. I wonder how that challenges your own sense of American exceptionalism. If we were to look at the educational rankings and rates, those two would challenge this conception that was nurtured within us to think that we are the best at everything. There's class exceptionalism in the world where the rich think that they're superior and that the poor are inferior. And by this, the rich have the resources to navigate and manipulate the systems of laws and norms in their favor, while the poor are held to rules and norms in ways that keep them poor. There's gender exceptionalism, where men think they're superior and that females are inferior. Women are paid cents on the dollar compared to males. Men receive more privilege from the legal systems. My daughters are growing up in a world where one in five women will be sexually assaulted in their lifetime, yet almost two-thirds of them will never report the assault because they've seen far too often how men can be above the law in this regard. There's political exceptionalism running wild in our nation today, where both sides are insistent that their brand of politics and policies is superior and that there's nothing to learn from the other, and there's no good reason to collaborate or compromise. The antagonism of our political system has not only compromised our ability to progress as a nation and keep up with the other nations of the world that are passing us on all these lists and rankings, it's it's not only compromising our ability to imagine better and more effective ways to ensure the well-being of all Americans, because we're stuck back in the past, with our sense that what we always did is what we will always do, because that makes us the best. But this political exceptionalism is also fueling a national antagonism and polarization. It's, it's sowing unrest and discord and violence with, within us. It's erupting out into the streets. And families and friends and communities are fracturing because of these false promises of political exceptionalism. Exceptionalism is a destructive force in so many ways, um, at the personal and interpersonal level. Generations can become exceptionalist and fail to engage in relationships and the sharing of wisdom and experience across generational lines. Parents can become exceptionalist about their children, nurturing this self-understanding within their kids that they're different and they're better than other kids and they deserve special treatment and privilege. Spouses can hold each other to rules and norms that they don't themselves keep. And it's a set of exceptionalist norms and laws that respond to drug and alcohol abuse with incarceration and shame rather than with compassion and health care. The list is endless. Our our fear and the temptations to self-focus make it so much easier for us to emotionally and psychologically, accept the lie that we are better and more important, playing by different rules, worthy of self-serving, even if to the detriment or harm or neglect of another, than it is to accept the truth that we are not better or more important, and we are not morally entitled to be selfish to the detriment or harm or neglect of another." That tendency toward exceptionalism and the antagonism that is within it and around it is part of this legacy of our evolution, which is exactly why we need to intentionally listen to a different voice. What I'm arguing in this series is a spiritual voice telling us something different about ourselves when our animalistic tendencies and temptations tell us to be exceptionalist. Now, I find this spiritual voice in the tradition of Christian spirituality. But as we acknowledged in a previous episode, that voice of golden rule spirituality is nearly universal across religious traditions in the world. With these voices saying in concert that we do not treat people differently or as less than us, but we treat others in the way that we would want to be treated. Every time Jesus was faced with circumstances of exceptionalism, whether in the uh, whether national exceptionalism, in the conflict between Israel and the Empire, or racially in the conflict among Jews and Samaritans and Greeks, uh, or in his own religious conflicts with the Pharisees, or in the judgmentalism of the rich demeaning the poor, or the assertions that women and the sick and the disabled were were inferior. In all of these circumstances, he never once reinforced or condoned the exceptionalism. He rebuked the Pharisees for being above their own laws. He welcomed and embraced and healed those labeled as inferior or different. He never reinforced that false narrative of the exception, but insisted on a world in which all belong equally. Early Christian leader Paul and in seeking to take this vision for the world of Jesus forward, wrote numerous letters to various early Christian communities in different cities within the empire, communities who are trying to move beyond these tendencies and cultures of tribalism, antagonism, dogmatism, exceptionalism, trying to implement this new way of understanding each other based on affirming the equal value of every life and working toward the goal of the common good rather than the goal of self-serving and power and superiority for the self or the tribe. Paul wrote to the people in Galatia trying to live by this spirit instead of the physical ways of the self. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one by the way of Jesus. There was no exception. To the people in Philippi, he wrote that if there's any sharing in this spirit, if if you are sharing um, in this implementation of the voice of Jesus in your spirit, then you do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility you regard others as better than yourselves, looking not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. There was no exception. To the people in Rome, he wrote, every person, we all fall short of glory and we are all imperfect, but we are all recipients of God's grace. There is no exception. To The people in Ephesus, he wrote, Jesus is our peace. He has made two groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. There's no exception in a world full of dividing walls of hostility fueled by humanistic, racial, nationalistic, religious, political, gender, class, and individual exceptionalism. Believing in a difference and a, set, a different set of rules that aren't actually there, all of which contribute to the breakdown of a peaceful and just society. The way forward will never be found in our quest to judge, devalue, and to suppress those we see as somehow less than or more dangerous than us by having them live by a different set of norms and rules. We must not fall to the temptation or allow our churches and our companies, our towns, our races, our politicians and parties to fall to the temptations of exceptionalism and to live with a different different set of rules than we ask others to abide. Our way forward will always be found in our willingness and ability to move beyond our fear-driven animalistic tendencies and to live by a spiritual voice that rejects the notion of the exception and affirms the value of the other, compelling us toward hospitality instead of exclusion, compassion rather than indifference, Generosity rather than greed and self preservation, a sense of belonging to one another, a sense that there is always something to learn from the religion and the race and the nation that is not our own, and a sense of responsibility for the well being of one another rather than seeing exceptions and dividing walls. Love your neighbor. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. This is the way forward for us as churches, towns, nations. This is our way forward as the global community. This is not radical or threatening to treat others the way we'd like to be treated. That won't lead to destruction It won't lead to the downfall of our society or whatever else we might irrationally fear. But if we seek to treat others the way we would like to be treated ourselves, it will bring a strengthening of the social fabric, a building up of our society, more meaningful and rewarding lives for us all, and a more peaceful and just world for all. No exceptions. Stay home, stay safe, wear a mask when you're out, be well, and peace be with you all.